Hello, this is Jamie. And this is Heather, and you're listening to Soul Archaeology. On today's show, we are going to be talking about ghosts. I've been waiting for this. I've been wanting to talk about this. But before we do, I just have to say, right now, the energy out there is seriously crunchy. Yeah, it's, it's crunchy. It's so crunchy. Energy. What is happening? Like, I know what's happening, but oh, being out there and experiencing it, it's just like... Just, just, on every single layer, yes, it is crunchy right now, and I think it's because we are in the middle of. And I know we keep saying this, but we are really seriously in the depths of a really huge shift. And so, the closer we get to that awareness of the kind of shift that we're in, the more, especially on the physical level, the more it's going to feel crunchy because we're just not used to it. No, not at all. Um, and it's just yeah. people people will start to capitulate more and more. They won't even know why they're doing it. Yeah. They don't not they don't know why they're distracted. They don't know why they are digging their heels in. They don't know why they are suddenly prone to stepping on people's toes. And maybe even for a lot of people who are extra unaware, they will purposely goad people into arguments just for the sake of having that conflict. And it's and like you said, it's on every level. It's on the streets, the traffic. Some people aren't mm-hmm. paying attention and they're going two miles an hour. Some people are speeding through everything just to get out, just to get to wherever they're going. Where are you mm-hmm. going, dude? There's nowhere to go. Like you're yeah. still going to be on planet Earth and you're still going to be in the crunchy. There is no amount of speeding that is going to speed you away from this crunch. No, including like the weather right now. It's like we had some really beautiful fall weather for for a few weeks and mm-hmm. it was like nice and cozy and it felt great. And now all of a sudden it's like, hey, how would you like to have like a, a second summer? Right? <laughs> it's like, a thousand no. degrees. Isn't that fun? Don't we just love it? Yeah. Just love like, it. Or it's not a thousand degrees, but the sun is searing through whatever opening you have yes it's like a laser beam yeah it's really hot really intense that's the word intense it's intense the good energies are intense when something's really good it's like yes and when something's really not good it's like oh no yeah but either way what you have to remember is that you're still here like it or not yeah and what that means is is that nothing has happened no you are still here you are still complete and so i just want to put that little reminder in your ears for right now because i need to hear it and so if i need to hear it i imagine there are other people out there that need to hear it and that's what we're here for and and it's like everything around us is um it's like we're kind of on a gimbal and everything around us is going this way and that and leaning and and leaning back and leaning forward and leaning side to side but we're pretty much straight up we don't realize it because we're focused on everything around us and everything around us is spinning and going in wonky direction and so you're like oh my god i can't my eyes can't focus i feel off balance and it's like well you're not off balance you're actually fine (laughs) it's everything else and because you're paying attention to everything else that's why it feels that way right and it Um, follows that if you start paying attention if you draw your focus inward like we're saying draw your focus inward you will figure out really quick that everything is happening around you in your body in this moment you are okay you are stable you are fine 
so anyway, let's get into ghosts because I've been chomping at the bit to talk about ghosts and it's my favorite thing. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things too. And, <laughs> and it is a good thing to start off on because like we were saying before we actually hit the go button, um, it is really important to get a feel for what the energy is like if you're going to dive into this kind of work if going on uh some sort of paranormal investigation or a ghost walk during halloween season or something like that is something that you feel drawn to do make sure that you're checking in with yourself check in with yourself on on the day of check in with the energy of the space and um you know just feel it out and see where you're at before you commit to anything because that has a lot to do with how things will go overall for you if if you're already struggling if you're on the struggle bus and having a hard time and that might not be the day for you <laughs> <laughs> well i think when you're talking about something like a haunted tour that can pull you out of that feeling that the, the days when the day's not going so well and you're not feeling so good, something entertaining like a tour where you're just talking about it, it's kind of a light interaction with that sort of energy can actually pull you out of that mood. But if you're talking about something deeper, like actually um, trying to get in tune with paranormal activity or um, entities or spirit, however you want to describe it, then that's a time when you really need to curate your own energy and know where you're at because people i think especially people who've never done it before i.e paranormal investigating have this idea that they are going there to experience something but their definition of experience is different than what the experience will actually be and when i say yeah. that i mean that their idea of the experience is ooh maybe i'll see a ghost that would be scary or ooh maybe i'll hear something or ooh maybe something will move what they fail to recognize is that when you put yourself in that environment, what you are doing is you are shaking hands with the environment. And what that means is, is that you have made an agreement with spirit and the environment in which you're stepping into to tune your resonance to a frequency that is in tune with whatever is going on in the environment. And that can lead you vulnerable to whatever is in that environment interacting with you. And mm -hmm. when I say vulnerable, I say it specifically because what that means is a lot of times spirit will interact with the electricity, the electrical system of your physical body. The electromagnetic field or the biofield. And and more than the biofield, like they will literally, depending on your level of sensitivity, whether you know it or not, they can affect your physical systems in your physical body by affecting sure. that electricity. And so it can be, um, you can be vulnerable in those situations. And it's something that you should just keep in mind. It's not something to fear, but if you yeah. do fear it, then you have a chance of being more vulnerable. Absolutely. And, and it's not just the spirit side that is, um, causing issues just your own the energy that you are stepping into period so if it is a fearful energy if you're not feeling well and you're especially sensitive you're triggering your own things too which like you said is magnetizing basically the energy from the other side to you of that same level 
So if you are having very, what we would consider like low level feelings, fear-based feelings would definitely fit into that. That's, that's kind of like the crux of that. Then you are going to draw to you things that are going to make you feel more fearful. You are going to be more fearful of the things that you encounter. It, that's just, that's just a way that goes that's that's, that's just resonance. the way everything goes yeah that <laughs> yeah, is that is literally resonance. how life goes <laughs> and mm-hmm. but when you're dealing with i think people have this sort of barrier between themselves and the spiritual or paranormal that makes them believe that um they're over there and we're over here and that sure. is absolutely not your first line of connection when it comes to spirit the first line of connection when it comes to spirit is resonance and resonance means that your frequency waves are matching their frequency waves. So what are you going to attract given your mood, given your disposition, given your demeanor, what are you attracting? Given where you are in, in your status of health, if, if you're not feeling well, if you have a cold, if your body systems are run down, um, you know, because you've been sick or you're just recovering or you're just starting to feel sick, not the time not really the time to go mm-hmm. and do something like that. Um, just because your, your, your body is in a state where it needs to unplug from all those things. So it can reset so that it can heal itself. It needs that time. Um, piling something like this up on top of it is really not the best, um, the best choice. And I speak from a lot of experience in that particular <laughs> at one point when we were investigating it was killing you oh yeah 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 for sure for sure because i couldn't my nervous system my central nervous system was so shot for for multiple reasons i had um health issues that were not being managed properly uh hadn't been diagnosed properly at that time uh, i was really running on empty but couldn't admit to myself that I was running on empty most of the time and had a hard time with things like um, the thought of obligation and obligation to others and could not um, make the decisions that were really the best decisions for myself as far as my health went. And it did. It it left me really open and and vulnerable and had some very interesting experiences because of that. Talk about the interesting experiences, Jamie. What did we experience? <laughs> um so let's see. Where do I start? Because there's quite a few. Um I think one of the ones that stands out the most and it's not going to be the one that you're thinking of right off the bat is actually uh linda vista oh we did an investigation at linda vista hospital um which is in the los angeles area boyle heights which to this day driving past boyle heights i don't even have to look (laughs) at the signs my whole body goes boyle heights is crunchy um boyle heights (laughs) Boyle Heights is crunchy. Boyle Heights has, well, it has a lot of interesting energy behind it. It it started out as a wealthier um, railroad baron ran town. Um, Linda Vista Hospital was actually built by the railroad industry to serve railroad workers. And that was its history up until, I believe, the 19th. 
40s or 50s when it changed hands and became um, like a more publicly operated hospital. And then from there, in its later years in the 80s, and I think it shut down finally in the like mid or late 90s. But in the mid 80s or so, it switched over to basically what what became the county hospital. So anywhere, it, basically the hospital that you would send people to if you didn't have insurance, um, if you were in that like lower economical scale. So it ended up being a place where they would get a lot of, you know, like uh, gang violence patients uh a lot of like drive-by shooting and and thing like that things like that um so it it's had quite a history it's a fairly large place and we had signed up it was like part of a package that we did through a paracon yeah that we attended Mm -hmm. and it was very interesting because we ended up with we actually ended up with a really cool team of people to investigate with we were with some of our um some of the people that we already knew like mm-hmm. uh some of the folks from planet paranormal but we also had um like john zappas was there who was kind of like the godfather of demonology mm-hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> was on our team and um and a couple other folks that were like uh, from other local par- uh paranormal investigation groups and I remember going into it, I wasn't nervous or anything, but I was at that point where I was still, I was still unsure on how my physical stuff, my everyday physical stuff was like, I wasn't aware of how it was affecting me in my daily life. So I sure the hell wasn't aware of how it was affecting me on something like a paranormal investigation. I just, I wasn't thinking about it. And I remember getting there and like getting into the area and kind of getting that like tightness in my chest, like, ooh, okay, this is a different energy. But then the first couple places that we went to was kind of like, eh, like I feel stuff here, but it doesn't feel, I was more interested in the, like, I could recognize like some of the hallways and stuff especially on the first floor from like different movies and television shows and things like that that i had seen so i was like oh cool like i remember this and this scene and i remember this from this show so um i was more interested in that and it wasn't until we got to the third floor of the main building Mm -hmm. which is definitely one of the places where um where a lot of people do uh, pick up on things and it was a, it, it was like we had stepped through a portal and entered a completely different dimension altogether there was, was a lot going on up there a lot it is so felt like, different it felt like someone had chopped up 800 timelines and threw the pieces into the third floor like a salad bowl and they were just yeah. tossed together so as you were walking through you were hit with different emotions, different feelings. You were sensing different energies slash entities. And um, you were having, and it was just a, it was a salad bowl of paranormal activity. You never knew what you were going to get. That was the first time that I experienced feeling spider webs. I don't think it was the first time I had experienced spider webs, but it was heavy. It was Mm -hmm. heavy in that area. And I remember one of the first, like right off the bat, we were, you know, 
coming together, most of us had had we were pretty seasoned in investigating, so it's not like we were a bunch of noobs coming together. We all knew what to do, so we were trying to sync up all of our equipment so that we could, you know, bounce back off of each other afterwards and and link um, link stuff up if we were catching things. So we were all trying to coordinate. We all went into this one room and like freshened our batteries on all of our gear and started our recorders and every single one of us had issues we had to switch batteries probably three or four times before we even got started because it was immediate drain and it wasn't just one of us it was literally all of us we're like what in the hell is (laughs) going on here this is ridiculous and then once we actually got everything working and got up and started investigating one of the first things that hit me was I noticed that I don't respond well to things that are um, outside of the realm of what I am used to in the spirit world, which is, you know, just people who have died and crossed over usually. So we saw this small shadow figure that looked like in my head I related it to some sort of hobgoblin like it literally (laughs) looked like it came out of like freaking labyrinth or something (laughs) it was about three feet tall so it wasn't a raccoon it wasn't um it wasn't solid you could see through the shadow but it moved quite clearly darted from one room to across the hall into another room and all of us saw it so it was like what what is that because that wasn't even the shape of like that's not an animal um i'd love it if it were an animal but that's not an animal and we investigated the rooms that it went into and nothing couldn't see a damn thing but we could see it with the naked eye as a shadow that you could see through moving across the the hall we had like grid set up it you could see it through the grid it was that was bananas and then all of these little things started happening the spider webs were were happening and it's like you'd go through you'd walk through one area and you wouldn't feel them and then you'd pass back through it and then you'd feel it and it's like what the hell is that And then I remember we were kind of like in the middle of the hall where kind of all of it's like spokes on a wheel at this place. So you have like a central hub, which is usually like a nurse's station type area. And then you have multiple hallways and those are all like um, those were either patient rooms or or uh, different types of like examination rooms. And this place was left in such disarray at this particular nurse's station. There were still files and stuff everywhere. Yeah. Just people's information like scattered, like a tornado had hit the place. And so we're, we're opening and we're, you know, looking at the files and it's like, okay, well, let's see if we can get anything from some of these files. And all of a sudden this really oppressive, kind of heavy 
weird energy moves in and all of us kind of like you can see all of our eyes going what that we're all feeling this right and so we start talking to each other and it's like yeah okay there's there's something here and it's heavy and it's not friendly and now several of us are hearing shit like somebody is standing behind us talking into our ears breathing down our neck like heavy breath like you can feel the heat on the back of your neck type of stuff and that when that set in my whole like i could feel my body's systems starting to shut down like my central nervous system had had been completely taxed at that point and i could feel my my heart rate felt thready i was sweating um we got evidence during <laughs> that that to this day we have not been able to recover because the whole the the whole recorder that camera it was, was a video recorded, camera yeah, it was it was a little mini cam yeah um we got we caught up. we captured a shadow crossing the hall i think we captured the shadow crossing the hall and we captured the audio we, we would have captured the audio because we all mm -hmm. heard it mm -hmm. externally um yeah like and it, and that little and I, that little mini disc is still trapped in that camera <laughs> and i've taken to this it day. Live. i'm pretty mechanically inclined in like taking little things apart and i've been doing that since i was a kid and i couldn't get it apart and i've taken it to like three separate professionals who are like we don't know what the hell's wrong well, we can't get this thing open <laughs> and i'm like well someday <laughs> someday that's gonna open someday. and i hope i can still find well, when thing, the technology like, when the technology is so old that we can no longer read the mini disc you <laughs> will right? get that camera open we'll get that goddamn camera open somehow oh, we'll get that evidence me. up there it absolutely right? calls me we've we've got literally something darting across a hallway and can't see it yeah can't oh so frustrating Good. like we we literally had john zappas like doing a whole spiel to like protect the room and send and then the he ushered away. us out really quickly you were ushered out really yeah. quickly by grandpa's office he's, he's like, like okay let's go he's like it's no longer safe to be in here we need to go and like the the retreat was like silence with just hurried shuffling footsteps down that hallway yeah it was a really odd experience and i did not while i was there for it i did not have anywhere near the intensity of experience that you had I did, I, I was on sort of at, out of the group. I was at the other end of the hub, so to speak, from you guys. And um, it, it it happened, I remember it happened like a roll off. Whatever was there was jumping from person to person, messing uh -huh. with them. And I could hear it behind me. And then right as I heard it behind me, someone else said, I can't remember who, but someone else was like, did you hear that? And they were on the entirely opposite side of uh -huh. uh, their nurse's hub. And I was like, Okay, no, that's weird. It was that projecting really itself in, in every direction Absolutely. at the same time. Absolutely. Whatever it was, was kind of one of those entities that's like, I rule the roost and you're going to know about it now. And we knew about it. <laughs> it definitely yeah. made itself known. 
really interesting stuff. But it took us, it took me days to recover from that investigation. Usually after an investigation, not just because you're up all night, but because you don't realize how much energy you're expending doing what you're doing. Um, Mm -hmm. It'll take a day, maybe two on a regular investigation, say it like the Queen Mary, which we were used to and we knew very well. It took me almost a week to recover from Linda Vista. And I know it took you longer. It it took me about three weeks. And when I came out of there, like I didn't go back in after that. I was done. Um, I came out and I couldn't, I was having a hard time catching my breath. And I went to go try to ground at a tree, which is like one of my go-tos. It's like if I've had a huge rush of of something I will usually try to find the nearest tree and and do my damnedest to to give that back because the earth is a really beautiful way to transmute any energy any any natural thing like a like an old tree or or just taking your shoes off and getting your feet in the grass and letting the earth soak that up uh the earth is is fabulous at transmutation so I was trying to do that and my body was so discombobulated that I couldn't, there was no through path to ground. So I basically just had to wait it out until it naturally got reabsorbed by my body and went out in other means. And, and sometimes that meant I spent the next couple of days puking my guts out or um, you know, having to take in two, three times the amount of water that I would normally take because I was just dehydrated. It's like the, my insides were fried. I had a lot of issues. Um, so, and, and it was really hard for me to wrap my head around, like I could see it for other people. I could see it for other people. No problem. I could give other people advice on, Oh, maybe you shouldn't go in today. Or I feel like you need extra protection today or maybe you need to do some extra grounding i could see it in other and other people no problem i could not i could not do it in myself i couldn't see it i couldn't give my own self that advice it was really difficult and it's crazy because even now like i have the ability to pick myself up and put myself back in that situation so i can literally physically feel the way my body felt that night just by retelling it and it's really weird. It's if I look into it now, because I'm only partially holding and I'm partially re-experiencing it as kind of like a teaching tool to see what areas were affected. And it starts with the central nervous system, but as the central nervous system is overtaxed, it sends well or actually rather it keeps other signals from going to the rest of the body so like even your oxygen levels will be affected your heart rhythm will be affected your digestion will be affected um everything becomes affected because your how you interact with your environment does affect your physical body and if you're not in a place where you have the ability to regulate yourself, then you're just kind of leaving yourself open to whatever the environment reflects back to you. And if you're discombobulated, then the environment 
is going to feel very discombobulated. And if you're stepping into a type of energy that is already erratic, then, you know, it's just heightening it. Mm -hmm. It's just heightening it. So if you're already sensitive and you know that, then that's something that you definitely need to take into consideration and, you know, maybe do the work ahead of time to try to uh, regulate your system and get yourself in a better place so that you are able to take that on and deal with it a lot better than I did at the time Mm -hmm. because I, I, I certainly did not. I had body aches for, for weeks after that. I just felt lethargic and weak and um really vulnerable really really vulnerable i felt like i had been attacked Mm -hmm. for sure um yeah i had when we had been investigating for a while i sort of eked out a ritual for myself where if especially if i knew we were doing an investigation the day of the investigation i went to the gym and that became my ritual Like if we're doing an investigation, Heather will be at the gym because I needed to, A, it helped me connect with my body, B, Mm -hmm. it empowered me. Um, Mm -hmm. And of course, I mean, all of the health benefits of working out, blah, blah, blah. But it wasn't about those mundane 3D physical health benefits. It was about getting into a mental space where I was able to connect with my own sovereignty and the concept of my own sovereignty, that this is my body. I am taking care of it. It created a protective bubble around me to some degree. Now, having said that, I did get jumped. And at the time that I got jumped, I didn't know that I had been jumped. But I also couldn't figure out why the hell I was acting so weird. (laughs) And so you remember that I don't remember, was it? I think it might have been it was someone's birthday. It was a friend's birthday who was a fellow paranormal investigator. And we were Mm -hmm. all invited to the Queen Mary to celebrate mm-hmm. her birthday, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, and we were in the cafe, which, terrible food. I don't know <laughs> how they are now, but I just have to say that back then, terrible food. And um, I was sitting amongst friends, and I started feeling very warm, uncomfortably warm, like I was under stage lights. And mm-hmm. I was like, why is it so, gosh, it's so warm in here. And then before I know it, I am getting agitated. And the words that are coming out of my mouth are all about how the Queen Mary is an English ship and they can't even offer real tea. Yeah. And there's nothing. <laughs> can't even get any I was, freaking English tea in this place. I was how? so angry that they brought me Lipton <laughs> on a British ship. I was like what the hell is this? You can't even offer tea. I mean, come on. Like it was, I was so angry about the fucking tea. And I'm, there's another voice inside my head at that time going, what are you mad? What are you doing? It's not that big. Could you let it go? And I'm looking at the people's faces around me and they're looking at me like, okay, you're okay. It's calm down. What is happening? And they were like, sort of, their upper body, their body language was backing away. Yeah. I was getting surly over tea and it didn't make sense to me, but I couldn't stop doing it. And it certainly didn't make sense to them. They all thought I was insane and were kind of glad they hadn't spent more time with me prior. And I just said, well, clearly Heather has an issue with tea. 
tonight and that's just the way it's going to be. So I let myself go off about it. The second dinner was over, we all got up and left literally just as I crossed the threshold from the cafe into the main hall. Gone. Stop sweating. I was no longer hot. I was no longer surly. I could barely remember why I was surly. And at that point I was like, oh, maybe something like else was going on, but I still didn't have a clue. Now I believe we didn't want to investigate it. Yes. We didn't want to investigate it. And so we were like, what do we want to do? Like, we're here. Do you want to, you know, look around a little bit? And we all agreed to look around a little bit and we ended up in front of the first class pool. And that's when I knew something had happened to me because something started happening to Jamie. Well, we went down there initially. Yes, we wanted to stick around, but we went down there initially because we were going to use those bathrooms because the bathrooms at um around the corner from the third class pool and first class pool sorry and uh third class pool no longer exists on the ship um and the windsor kind of area ballroom the main big ballrooms are down there across the way so you go down this corridor that's next to it's it's a starboard side of the ship so facing towards the water there's windows portals that are open to let the breeze in and there's a storage like crew passage right past the bathrooms and um those bathrooms we had picked things up in many times before because it's so close to all the other things like literally the pool is on the the turkish bath would be like right on the other side of that wall um so we would go in there sometimes when, because not a lot of people would realize that they're there because it's around the corner. They're kind so of really tucked out of the attention. way. They're, yeah. they're, they're tucked out of the way. So we'd literally, they'd almost always have like a chair or two in there. We'd go sit down in the chairs and start the recorders on, on the sink and just wait yep. for something to happen because stuff would come up in there all the time. But yeah, I started feeling like I was being like literally picked on like physically like somebody was coming up and like poking me and it's like what is this who are you and i will get lippy and start and just like i don't care if there's people around who are you why are you why are you into the ether who are you (laughs) why are you poking me stop that you know just trying to figure out what in the hell this particular energy was and i don't think it took very long before we realized that that was the same energy that you had been feeling earlier at the dinner table it was like oh this is the same this is the same bullshit right here this is that like it is antagonistic it wants to antagonize it feeds off of that energy if you get irritated it's like oh yeah baby let's play (laughs) we got her now (laughs) and you know for heather it riled her up Mm -hmm. for me again being in a compromised physical state 
it was like I was Thanksgiving dinner for this particular energy. It was like, oh, I am going to feast on you for a long, long time, girly. Get ready. And I could hear, I could hear him in my head. Like I could hear those thoughts of, oh, you are so juicy to me right now. I am, I am just going to feast on you for a long, long time because you are very vulnerable and you have no idea how vulnerable you are. And it freaked me out. And I was having a really hard time. And that was not the first time. Well, it it was probably the first time that we were very, very well aware of that energy. But it wasn't the only time we had encountered that particular energy. We kept encountering that energy pretty much from that point on. And it was very interesting to me that we hadn't really ran into him previous to that. But I remember it was also near um, getting closer to Halloween season. And at that time, they were still putting on their haunt. And the thing with their haunt was that they used parts of the ship to, like, part of that haunt was actually walking through the ship. And the other part was that they were actually using items from the ship, historical items from the ship and placing them into the haunt. So what we ended up figuring out was that this entity's kind of wheelhouse was really in that, like from about the boiler room area up through that kind of um like back passageway and hallway area or uh right next to the uh, first class pool that that was kind of his roaming spot mm-hmm. and we had gone on investigation like right after that not not too long after that maybe even within like the week or something and i remember going over the catwalk that was over the um the boiler room and they had installed a pressure plate that was a you know meant to be a a a little jump scare for the for the haunt but it was active and i remember walking over that pressure plate and it activated because nobody had they were testing equipment and stuff and nobody had turned it off and i was like what the hell and that little like you know kind of getting you a little bit and making you jump all of a sudden that entity was rushed in and like but you haven't finished telling the story about his attack on you do you remember the rest of what happened because that wasn't until later it wasn't that night it wasn't no it wasn't until later it wasn't until that investigation where we had gone over the boilerplate felt him triggered And I pretty much felt him from that moment on during that investigation. I remember like going down the little tiny cramped stairs that you take to get down off the catwalk into the um, ballrooms on that side outside Mm -hmm. of the boiler room. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. I felt him from the catwalk on. And I remember feeling like being chased down those little stairs I remember into that, that too. area i remember that too but what i'm talking and it about just kept growing i'm talking about when brian tried to get mm-hmm. 
it off of you. It wasn't during an investigation. I, it was a casual. It was during an, no, it was during an investigation. And we had ended. There was no security around. guard with us when that happened. I know because we had ended the investigation and we had stuck around. We went back to a spot to pick up a, like to pick either pick up equipment or to pick up additional something. And we were out on promenade deck no. and yeah, it was, no, it happened right outside. outside. No, it went outside the first class pool. We didn't have any equipment with us that night. And it was right outside the first class pool because when you came out of those bathrooms, you literally put one hand on the wall near a portal mm-hmm. so you could get fresh air and you couldn't breathe and you were feeling horrible. And Brian was trying to do mm-hmm. his pagan thing where he tries to get the energy off of you. Cause for those of you who don't know, and why would you know, Brian is a natural ground and mm-hmm. it wasn't working. And so I said, well, maybe if we move outside, because there's that little platform outside, um, you'll feel better. And so we sort of almost carried you outside, um, took you by the arm. Brian was assisting you. And we went out to the platform just outside the first class pool. And he was trying to do some hoogee witchy thing where he surrounded you with his energy. And I watched this. Now, Brian is a large dude. How tall is he? 6'2"? He's 6'3". 6'3 and a half. Big. They call him bear for a reason. And I watched this 6'3", giant dude, recoil backwards several steps from her. And Mm -hmm. I was like, what am am I witnessing? Like, I couldn't process it in my mind, meat. And I looked at him, and he was clearly unsettled and he when he was able to get himself back he was like something just punched me in the chest yeah and i was like no yeah. way uh-uh like i couldn't believe it because it sounds unbelievable and he's like something just freaking punched me in the chest something is on her and it pushed me off of her like it punched me and i was like what are we dealing with at this point? We had never dealt with anything so aggressive. We had never dealt with anything so tenacious before. We had dealt with this energy before. I had dealt with this energy before. And very, very, very able to manipulate our physical surroundings. Very because the other thing that happened that night, when, when I felt him, it was basically, imagine somebody like jumping on your back, like for an involuntary carry or something and putting their arms and putting their arms around you and their legs around you so that you could hardly move I felt like sludge I felt like I was carrying another person Mm -hmm. and then feeding you all of these things mentally and blowing smoke he was well this is stop stop this is what I wanted to get into because this is where interesting this is how I know we dealt with him before um After Brian assured me and explained to us what had happened to him, Jamie turned around and just was sort of trying to get herself back together. And the staging, so to speak, shifted. And so I was facing them at this point. And as I'm looking up at Brian, sort of still in disbelief, 
I see over his shoulder a puff of a cloud of smoke form as if someone's exhaling a cigarette. And I knew instantly who it was because I had experienced that before. And I knew it was Henry. Yeah. Because and I Henry, smelled it and it was horrible. Henry had started egging me on during an investigation. And I was like, you want to go? Let's go. You know? And I was like, who are you? Why are you running from me? And I was chasing him. Slowly. I was walking. I wasn't running after him. It wasn't Scooby-Doo hour. But I was I was chasing after him, following him um, through feeling alone. I didn't have any guarantee or any... Um, evidence that someone was actually there except for the sounds of movement you could hear movement up on the second level of the pool no one else was up there with me at the time both jamie and brian and the security guard were down on the first floor at this time and this was an investigation that happened prior to that night outside of the pool um and i said who are you come on show yourself and he blew a cloud of smoke in my face yeah and i knew it was henry and i was like Oh, so the second I saw the the cloud of smoke appear over Brian's shoulder, and again, I remind you, this man is six foot three, and it came like down over his shoulder as if whatever was there was taller than Brian. And when I saw that cloud of smoke, I knew who we were dealing with. Yeah. And he had been, the smell of smoke, because I'm allergic to it, the smell of smoke had been that was one of the things that was like keep making it hard for me to breathe mm -hmm. like i was choking on it mm -hmm. and it was like why oh it's this is like and i couldn't it didn't matter where i went i couldn't get away from it yeah we went outside and they couldn't get away from it and then they physically see it and and it was almost like after the recoil from brian it was almost like the puff of smoke was like huh yeah like that was me. try to stop me exactly you got nothing that was me i'm it's taller like, i'm bigger like i'm stronger you think you can get between me and what i want mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. nice no and yeah that energy and and to be clear for those who might be familiar with some of the entities on the ship this is not um this is not john henry that's down in the engine room this is a different henry um though they're, they're i don't even separate. think i was clear on that quite honestly yeah they're, they're, they were one in the same no 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 john henry is um john henry is the one that was crushed by door 13 no yeah no petter is the one who was crushed by door 13 I'm sorry john john yes, petter john john henry petter is his full name Oh, okay. But there's a John Petter and then there is a John Henry. There is, yeah. And then there's John Henry. And John Henry is the ornery cuss that is. Well, he's a little bit more than ornery, but yeah. On a good the day, one that he's, we're speaking of. On a good day, he's ornery. On a bad day, he's got something else with him. It's almost like around Halloween time, at least from our experience, there was something else there with him. And it was sort of like the energy of teaming up. I'm going to plug in my computer yeah. real quick. Um, and, and, and that's when it seemed to really ramp up. Yeah. What it felt like is that somebody was taking advantage of the situation of the haunt to do some dabbling and some darker intentions and was just kind of setting an energetic space where that kind of energy was invited and could be escalated. And this particular entity liked to feed off of that energy 
And anytime somebody would go through these particular areas in the haunt and get spooked, that was like fuel on the fire, fuel on the fire, fuel on the fire, fuel on the fire. And you could feel it like they would stop our investigations. We had a hard time getting in around Halloween time because so many of the ship's areas were inundated by all of the decor and and stuff that they would have set up. But we would go up right up until um, right before it would open for the season. And then we would go in right as it was ending usually. And there is definitely a different feel and the energy altogether. Um, and the sad part, I think, for us was knowing that the other entities on the ship which are, you know, very benevolent. Mm-hmm. Um, those other entities on the ship did not like what was happening on the ship during um, during the Halloween time, especially the little ones, the little girls, uh, especially Jackie, was not comfortable. It scared her. She'd hide. Um, and I think the more they tried to exploit the stories, uh, the ghost stories and make them particularly gruesome and, and creepy and scary, the harder it was on them. I I don't think they enjoyed being viewed that way, except for maybe John Henry, who, who, <laughs> got, a, who, who got a huge kick out of it Um, more than a kick really was um yeah got off on it in a weird and creepy way uh and then use that energy to manipulate physical spaces and the the more vulnerable i was the easier it was for him to manipulate my space because i wasn't i wasn't in a space to uh control my physical space at all i i just i didn't have the energy for it and i was way too discombobulated my my central nervous system was not in the kind of shape to handle it at all at all at all and that's eventually what led to me not being able to do it anymore i just i couldn't i couldn't i had so many stressors on me my body was literally breaking down on the inside i could feel it and and it wasn't cool but you know those were two bad experiences and honestly i can say that those were the only two bad experiences i've ever had while paranormal investigating to that degree occasionally you run into something that's you know if if somebody was a nasty asshole in life, they're probably a nasty asshole in death too. They're probably going at their lessons very slowly. <laughs> and um and it's probably why they're still connected to the outside world in a big way, because they have a lot of stuff to sort out still. But you know, you can also have really awesome experiences as well or sometimes you realize just the personality of the entity just because they come across maybe a little scary 
at first doesn't necessarily mean that they are scary or mean. Sometimes they're just a prankster or a jokester or, you know, they're English and they just have... Or they're English. And they just have that kind of, you know, Monty Python-esque dry sense sense of humor. humor. Like William Stark, who was also on the Queen Mary, who for a very long time uh, gained the moniker of Grumpy because he used to growl at people from a cubby hole underneath the stairs at the first class pool. (laughs) This was where we met, by the way. Um, on a particular investigation when we were trying to make more contact with like Jackie and Sarah, who are known as the two younger girls on the ship that most people will pick up. Um, but I was setting up a ball and I wanted Jackie to play with the ball and I was trying to mark out spaces and it was right next to kind of the edge of the ship or the edge of the pool near a column. And I was trying to line things up and I was laying down my little painter's tape as markers so we could see if the ball actually moved. <laughs> and I was bent over and Heather was leaning up kind of near the column with the recorder. And I turned away from her to put the ball down. And all of a sudden, I felt this like somebody had taken their boot and shoved my ass. <laughs> And I went forward and I'm like, what the hell? And I turned around and she I was, blamed I was, me. I fully blamed you. I'm like, what the, what the hell, dude? Trying to set up a, what the hell? Not cool. Not cool. And she's just laughing and I'm like, dang, a lot for that. And then she's like, I didn't touch you, bitch. <laughs> that was not me. That was no. not me. No. And I'm like, and then I'm like, okay, who the hell? Who is that? Who is that? Put them and up. Put them up. <laughs> Seriously. And we picked up, we picked up growls right around the same time that I was like, what the fuck? Um, on the other recorders. And our friend Bob was like, oh, that's grumpy. And it's like, grumpy? Who the hell's grumpy? Grumpy, who the hell are you? <laughs> Why are you shoving me in the ass, man? I'm trying to set up this. I just want to prove that you're here. (laughs) Why can't we all get along? And the more we kind of like sat and started to tune in, like one of the first things I started knowing uh, or realizing with with him in particular and and who we're actually speaking of is, um, is William Stark. And William Stark, this this is actually one that's documented. He was a second class officer on the ship um, right before and during the uh, the crossings for World War II. He started in, well, yeah, it was during the crossings for World War II because I think he was, I think he had started in 46 or no, it would have been earlier than that. I'd have to look at my dates again. Anyway, he start, He was kind of in that World War II era. But one of the first things I started noticing is I would get, um, like, really scratchy in the throat. My throat would start to hurt. And then I couldn't talk. Like, I'd start saying something. And then all of a sudden, I couldn't talk. And I'd start coughing a lot. And it was really uncomfortable. Um, 
And I started realizing every time I engage with this particular entity, this happens. So who had something going on with the throat? And that's really what, um, it's not the first thing, but it's, but it's one of the ones that really wanted, got me wanting to research the actual individual and, and different things that had happened on the ship. And you used to be able to go down to the, uh, the infirmary down below and there were charts on the wall of people who had died and what they had died from while on the ship and what we had found out about stark was that um he had a really unfortunate accident with a bottle of something that amounted to like uh acid drapery drapery cleaner yeah it was um a really horrible acid he had been sick uh couldn't didn't have any sense of smell uh didn't have any sense of taste and had gotten off a long shift with a couple other crewmates they decided they wanted to have a drink they sent him into one of their cabins to grab a bottle of liquor and what he ended up grabbing, it was in a liquor bottle, but it was cleaning fluid. And he took a swig and didn't realize what he had consumed until it was too late. And he was stubborn and did not <laughs> want to go to the infirmary, did not want to go to the hospital. They had docked and he ended up dying two days later at a hospital um while they were in port but after kind of establishing oh i think that's who we got here and started talking to him as such and asking questions then we started getting a more coherent instead of just the growls we'd actually get you know either decent evps or he did a lot by feeling like we would feel stark stark was very physical in the way he communicated um including leading us on wild goose chases through the ship and leading us up to the bridge about a minute before they would blow the horn and we'd be right next to it well I mean, and then all of a sudden yeah, ship horn you have to you have to help them see what we were experiencing we were there for again a gathering and we mm -hmm. wanted to do a little bit of exploration on the ship just to see if anything had changed see who was around in terms of dead people <laughs> and it and he started playing with us it felt like a game of mm -hmm. like you know tag or hide and seek and so we were really having fun chasing him around yeah. and at one point we go up a, a, a set of internal stairs and i see i literally see a shadow of legs <laughs> running out the door and i'm like that way so we're following him and he keeps on leading us around and around and he basically spirals us up to the main deck right underneath the giant air horn <laughs> like literally right where it is yeah so and then inevitably after the ship horn would go and we would jump three feet out of our skin, there was this feeling of grand satisfaction. It was his accomplishment. Him, like, yes. 
like I got ya. And I was like, you turkey. You turkey. But 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 his his growling turned to EVPs, but the EVPs were yeah. always they were always husky. They were always Yeah kind of difficult to discern you knew it was a stark evp because of how it sounded because and and the only thing that we could figure was that because he had had the because of the way he had died he was still in some way experiencing that state that portion of him was was still carrying that and it was very much a we we learned that stark was very much married to the job uh he came from i i actually discovered through through doing uh ancestry and more research that he came from a very very long line of of naval academy family and uh, like all of the males in the family had had been captains or admirals or you know had been seafaring folk Um, and he was carrying on the tradition and he had a job to do and he's still doing it to this day. He's still doing it. And he's also very protective over those younger entities. He took on kind of like a, like a gruff little daddy figure. <laughs> we started calling girls. him, we started calling him Nanny Stark because <laughs> they're, they're usually together. If the girls are around Stark is yeah. with them. Yeah. And and he protects them, I think, from other entities like like Henry, um, because it definitely feels like they they interact with each other as well. There were definitely parts of the ship where you could tell the entities were very separate, like they did not leave that area. Um, they they could not fully roam they were very much tied to the area that they were in or that they were tied to a very specific time and it was only while that particular timeline was showing up that they showed up and when that timeline would fade they would fade so there were definitely like just times of the year like um we happened to be down at the forward of the the very very forward of the ship about three floors down in a hold area um which many go shows have have showed now uh but in this particular hold there is a there's an open space that goes all the way down to the bottom hold the oh, ship. Oh, this is the forward rope compartment. Yeah, yeah, the the car- the the forward carriage kind of compartment. But we happened to be there on the night of the anniversary of the Curacao collision. And basically what the Curacao collision was was a Curacao was a navigational boat that was helping the ship to get through uh thick waters uh so if it was particularly foggy or choppy the you know you you can't stop or turn a ship as big as the queen mary on a dime so you'd have a smaller ship go out ahead and would run a zigzag pattern especially during the war era 
Um, they'd make sure that there weren't any other vessels, um, subs, anything like that, that were incoming and they would help them through, uh, bad weather. And so on this particular night, it was incredibly dense fog had rolled in and they lost communication with each other and the Mary could not see the Curacao and ended up going right through the Curacao and cut it right in half cut it right in half and it put about a three foot chunk out of the front of the Mary mm -hmm. as well and now, there were let me just let me just sides. let me just pause it right here mm -hmm. the night that we were in the forward rope compartment we started hearing sounds that sounded like banging mm -hmm. and I've heard them since but this was the first time we had ever been in there. This was the first time we heard them. And it was late at night. No one was out on the bow of the ship. No one was around. Certainly no one was in that area um, because it was off limits to regular people. And it was way after work hours. So we started hearing banging and couldn't figure out what it was. Now commence with the story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we started hearing the banging, couldn't figure out what it was. And it was... And then we started hearing what amounted to voices, but they were, they sounded very far away. Um, I think one of the other important things to note is, especially on our investigations on the Queen Mary, when we would hear voices, like externally, like not just picking them up in EVPs, but when we were actually hearing them with our, with our own ears, they sounded, you could always tell what was spirit because they sounded like they were just out of reach. They were in this, in this particular resonant space that was both close and yet just, just out of our reach. And so you started hearing, like you couldn't make out what they were saying, but you could hear voices and then you could hear these, this constant clanking. And the ship does have what we call ship noises that are like, you know, stuff settling and it's, it's got, all the things that they're trying to pump through the ship without it actually being a working ship right now, it's, it's noisy, but this was different and you wouldn't normally hear them this far up because we were literally at the nose and all of a sudden it dawned on us. Wait a second. We're, we're in, we're as far as you can go because you could see the point where the seams come together the other thing that you could see were the weld marks where the ship had been repaired. And it's like, oh, shit, we are right there where, the, like, literally, this is where the damage was. And then it settled in. And then I remember both of us had one of those heart chakra whammy moments, like, uh, like your whole heart caves in and explodes at the same time. And the tears because these poor guys were clanking, 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 trying to get the attention of somebody. Clanking with wrenches. They used their wrenches clanking and their wrenches. tools on the side of the hull of the ship as it was slicing through the curacao. The men on the curacao were using the wrenches to try and get someone's attention on the Queen Mary that they were literally obliterating. Yeah. The ship. And, and eventually the ship caught on fire and... I think they lost over 900. I can't remember. It's been too long. So. It was quite a few people. Yeah. 
Um, and they lost several on the Queen Mary as well. They lost, they lost people on both sides because, um, water had come in huh. on the Queen Mary in that compartment. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was a pretty horrible accident. And that's another one of those. I remember, I remember that's one that I took kind of special offense to when they decided to add that to the haunt. Oh, they yes. didn't come right out and yeah. say that's what they were uh, modeling it after. But I remember thinking, you know, that's really low. Mm-hmm. That's um, like, and I'm I'm a part of the haunt community. My husband and I are involved in haunts every year. But there was something when it's connected to something historical and tragic like this is kind of like you know that's that's not that doesn't settle well with me Mm -hmm. and and you could tell it didn't settle well with the with the entities on the ship either there was a different energy on the ship during that time of year um all of our regulars would kind of like slink back a little bit and basically try to just stay out of the way until things calm down and you could feel them come forward again. But, uh, that was one of those things that like it, it started out feeling very residual. And then we would hear it kind of after that ever so often. It wasn't necessarily every time we went into that area, but especially if we were there very late it seems like we usually catch a little something but i don't think anything quite as active no as the night that we went on the anniversary yeah night. no that, that was, was very active yeah it was, was very active it was and very loud it was very pronounced yeah it was, it, it was the kind of thing that makes you purse your eyebrows and go what, what are we hearing this is not normal this is insane yeah yeah but the Queen Mary, for sure, never disappoints. True. Um, the The more time we spent there, the more we realized it didn't matter if it was daytime or nighttime or if we were on a full-fledged investigation or just showing up during the day with, you know, with some recorders and sitting outside an empty elevator. Mm-hmm. Like, it didn't matter. We were going to get something because the more we were interjecting our energy into that space and they could commingle with our energy and they felt safe with us and they could trust us, the more they wanted to come forward, the more they wanted to play with us. Well, we built a rapport. Um, they knew us. Did. It was a, it was a relationship. Just because someone is disembodied doesn't mean that they don't have all of the hallmarks of human cohabitation. Yeah. They still had fully formed and, and personalities. Mm-hmm. And, and and maybe we should talk about that a little bit too. The like, you know, how how it comes across to us and kind of how we feel, what our take is on that energy and what that energy actually is. Because I know it's it's continued to grow and shape since our first days of investigating. Oh no. You know, it's like I think is the squirrel back? Well, more than the squirrel being back, the squirrel is at my kitchen window. 
in between the screen uh-huh. and the window itself. So I'm just waiting to see if he's going to know how to get back out because there's a hole oh, in the no. screen. I'm like, please don't make me let you in my house. You've already been chewing on my roof, you little bastard. There's a hole in the screen, dear Liza. Oh, no. There's a hole in your screen, dear Liza. Oh, Oh, no. no. Well, he's going to have to stay there until we're done podcasting. He's on timeout at the kitchen window. Little idiot. (laughs) Take a break, squirrel. Take a break. Uh, Anyways. Do we want to touch on, on that? Like some of our feelings on... On what on, ghosts are? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, be, yeah, because I think even even during our investigative time, there were a couple entities that would stymie us. Sarah, for one. Yeah. Because Sarah... Sarah would present... We started realizing that Sarah would present at different ages. We would pick Sarah up a lot in the pool area. She was normally with Jackie or close by to Jackie. They liked to play and hang out together. Um, But we would also find Sarah in the changing room at the first class pool, which was kind of known as a vortex or portal type area. And what it felt like, eventually, what we kind of came to the conclusion to was that Sarah was kind of like babysitting that that portal or that vortex um and she could shift her dimensional space and timeline so sometimes she would come across as an eight-year-old sometimes she would come across as like a 20-year-old but you could tell it was the same the same entity it was the same energy it was it was the same voice but maybe a little bit older well and the reason Um, we could tell was because we had captured so many evps of sarah and usually when sarah answers if not if not 100 percent of the time then at least 98 percent of the time when sarah answers one of your questions she will answer it as if it is a question itself so it'll be da 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 so it always trails upward the intonation trails upward at the end so we were able to tag that as sarah um and so we started getting to know her. I was particularly close with Sarah. I was fascinated by the energy of Sarah because we couldn't figure out what age she was because she did shift between something that felt older and something that felt more innocent and young. So we weren't sure what Sarah was. And over time, we sort of came to the conclusion that she was not an actual, what you would think of as ghost. In other words, this is where things get really complicated because I think that when we're dealing with paranormal things we're dealing with many different things mm-hmm. it's not just that you're dealing with ghosts you're dealing with many different things if you're dealing yeah. with can it be grandma that that passed a couple of years ago sure it can be grandma that passed a couple of years ago but it can also be just a portion of a person it can well, be a segment but, of their but life here's the question it's not the question isn't is it grandma who passed a few years ago The question is, is it grandma who passed a few years ago and now has fully crossed over and is coming back to visit you in spirit form? Or is it a piece of grandma's consciousness because we're holofractal and our holofractal consciousness holds our entire consciousness up until the point that it is shed? And are we dealing with just a, a shed piece? I mean, we shed hair, we shed skin cells, we shed biological material. I know it's gross, but it's true. We also shed spiritual and ethereal material. So Mm -hmm. a ghost, 
for instance, something that has not crossed over that is still making contact with our physical realm is generally, in my opinion, a piece of that shed ethereal or spiritual material that Mm -hmm. happens to hold the entire consciousness of the being from which it came up until the point it was shed. So when we're dealing with Stark, it doesn't necessarily mean that Stark hasn't crossed over because he's got unfinished business. It means that that piece of him is still lingering in that space because there's a stronger resonance between that piece of him and that space than there mm-hmm. is with the rest of him that crossed over. Yeah. And and you can tell that, you know, like we would we would have never tried to clear Stark from that space. He was absolutely positively happy to be doing what he was doing. That was his job. He took great pride in it. He liked being a protector. He liked running into other people and giving them pause and <laughs> and shock, messing and, with them, <laughs> and messing with them. He enjoyed his that piece of his energy that's left there, whether it be a soul fragment, a fractal, however you want to describe it. That portion of him that still exists in that space is loving being in that space. Mm-hmm it's that's home that's home same thing for jackie that portion of that little girl that exists in that space really enjoys being in that space one of my favorite things is to be on the ship on a day when there's either women in a lot of pretty dresses so if they're having like a period dress-up function or if there's a lot of children on board because Jackie will squee. You can just tell her little energy is so excited to see all of these people. It makes her so happy. Well, and you can hear her. You can hear her with passing groups of tourists who have children. And you will hear if you know what to listen for. If you can, Mm -hmm. if you can select it out of the noise scape, you will hear her going. That's how she talks. When when you can't understand her, she makes Jackie sounds that are. And if you've heard it enough, say at two in the morning when you weren't expecting it or when you were hoping uh-huh. for it, but not expecting it, then you become accustomed to understanding what you're hearing within the noises of daily operations on the ship. Absolutely. And and that like I could see her being drawn to like kids carrying little toys or something like if they had a cute little stuffy or something like she wanted to go and play and be with the children or she wanted to go and see the ladies pretty dresses in the tea room like when they set up the diana tea room exhibit like i know she loved going through that space when everybody was like dressing up and going to the fancy tea like she wanted to dress up and go to the fancy tea with everybody else when there were lots of little kids on the ship, she wanted to go and play with the little kids. And you could, she was very conscious of all the things going on in the ship. The first, she was the first entity on the ship that we ever encountered Mm -hmm. on mine and Brian's first visit to the ship. She had, she had bombed on to me pretty much immediately it used to be when you would go on the tour um there was a the royal theater which was just outside of what would have been well it would have been the space where the third class pool had been it was built over the depression for the third class pool yeah basin 
and she came up to me almost immediately. I felt, I remember walking and feeling like some little kid had grabbed my hand the way little kids do one hand, one of their hands in your hand, and then the other hand like latched onto your arm. And I felt the weight of this little, of these little hands. And I kept looking down and cause I was sure that there was some, someone small child mistook me for their mama and had glommed onto me. And I kept looking down going, what the hell? <laughs> okay. Okay. And I kept feeling it. And then like we had stopped and I remember, I can't remember what, what they were talking about, but they were talking about something that was kind of scary. And I felt this weight into like the back of my leg and my hip area. Like, like they were like hiding behind, like the little hands never left, but the weight shifted. Like it was leaning into my legs and my hip area, like hiding behind me. And I'm like, that was the point where I was like, hun, I think I have a little ghost girl following me and she's holding my hands and I can feel a little, I can feel her. And everywhere we went, she was in tow all up until the last part of the tour. They used to drop you off. The last thing that you'd go in and, and look at was the observation lounge. And that was where we parted ways. We got right up to the threshold of the observation lounge and I could feel her let go and almost like skip away. And it's like, immediately I understood that she understood that this was a place for adults and she wasn't allowed in there. So she turned around and left. And I was like, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. This thing is intelligent. How crazy is that? And um, we picked her up several times that way. She she liked to do that almost every time I got on the ship. We got, we got EVPs. When we finally started to, when we finally got access to investigate the ship properly and we weren't just, you know, going rogue on a tour with recorders, when we finally were able to do that, there were tons of EVPs of Jackie saying, Jamie, I want Jamie. Where's Jamie? <laughs> All the time. I mean, she was just because Jamie has a very mothering energy. So she's very comforting and soft to be around. And so we would just get tons of Jack. Yeah. Jamie, Jamie. She's like, oh, and I'll never forget the first time I heard that, man. That got me in the feels so much. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, <laughs> no, I, I want to say something for the people out there who are always like, you know, much like we were when we first started, which was how sad a child without her family and she must feel so lost and oh, it's so sad. Yeah, don't feel bad for Jackie. A, my guess is that this is not the entirety of Jackie. This is just no. leftover remnant that was shed as a result of um, some experiences she had that she was in resonance with. So this piece of that soul is still with us, informing us of its existence. And um, she has a very wild, happy, carefree, mostly life on the ship. There have only been yeah. a few instances where we have picked her up in questionable um, circumstances. Do you remember? Yeah. Do you remember the, yes. the one very frightening time we picked her up? Yes. Um, yes, I do. We were on a tour with our favorite guide who um, 
left us to pick up the back so that she knew no one was left behind. We were the stragglers. So she, she learned to trust us in that way. And while she was doing the spiel on the pool area, when the pool is still open, um, we were down trying to see if Stark was down by his cubby. <clears throat> so we were under the stairs at this point with the recorder and we didn't even need the recorder to hear what we heard. Mm-mm. And this was during a tour. Um, the guide's voice was echoing through the pool and people were muttering under their voices. And you would think there's no way you're going to pick up anything paranormal when all that is going on. But we very distinctly heard and we captured it on audio the girls screaming as if we mm-hmm. were in trouble and we couldn't make heads or tail of it. The three of us were just staring at each other in disbelief. Like, are you hearing this? Yeah, I'm hearing this. Are you hearing this? We were all hearing it at the same time. And when we played back what we had captured for the guide after the tour was over, she looked at us like, are you kidding me? She had never heard anything like it before. And we asked her you know, where did she think it was coming from? And she's like, I don't know where that would be coming from. And so we actually went back with the guide to investigate the area, not just outside of the pool, but behind the pool. She showed us where the pool, the back, the back wall of the pool would have met up with what was behind it. And, um, and then into the boiler room and under the pool, just to try and pinpoint where those voices had come from, because it definitely sounded like they were in distress. They were trying to get away from someone. Mm -hmm. And um, it was just one of those experiences that we never really got any answers for. Of course, we know, but we continued to hear them. We can, we could continue to hear them as we were going, but we could not pinpoint where they were. were. Yeah, No, we couldn't find them. We were not going to find them in that ethereal space that they were coming from. And we just never got answers as to what had happened. Now we have been back to the ship many times since there, everything's fine. There's, you know, nothing has changed. Nothing has shifted. The girls are still there. Well, maybe I don't know what's happening now, but up to the last time we were there, Mm -hmm. pre-pandemic, the girls were still there. Everything seemed fine. So what exactly is happening when you hear stuff like that? We have no answer for that. No. No, but I know that our our definition of what a ghost is and what paranormal is and what supernatural is, is continuing to evolve. Mm-hmm. The more of our own spirit work we do, the more work we do on ourselves, the more we check in with our guides, the more those definitions change and either expand um, or shift altogether. And I find that very interesting because I think we've gotten into this period, you know, it, it was nice when the ghost shows first started popping up because it put, it put these things out in the popular mainstream so that people could start talking about it so that people didn't have to feel weird about talking about it because it was fun and everybody was watching it. So what is it a big deal if, I have had ghost experiences. Now I can talk to them because other people are seeing them on TV. Mm-hmm. However, the the focus is, uh, I think, for most shows has become outdated. They oh, they created they created a certain um, vibe and script around what ghost shows formula. were supposed to be, and every and formula. A formula, yeah. and everybody kind of stuck to it. And it's and it's not that I don't super appreciate like 
look, we we were hardcore ghost hunters fans. We love taps. Um, we love the group. I still love, you know, a a good amount of people from those original groups who still follow them. Um, you know, I think they're genuine and they've had genuine experiences. But I also feel that there are people that are going out there and just perpetuating um more of the like the fear factor the scare tactor scare tactics the spookiness the you know the demonic and evil and everything's demonic everything's evil everything and it's like oh god please <laughs> stop 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 with your even the things that have a darker energy you have to understand we have darker energy within us all of us do because all of us have be- have been through something dark and scary or unimaginable or really sad we've all had trauma and so it it's just a matter of meeting that energy where it's at and trying to understand what it's stemming from so well, not everything that into appears wounding. scary yeah. yeah not and not everything that appears scary is actually scary right. it's it's what you're feeding into and sometimes just like stark stark could have very well just remained grumpy under the stairs who didn't want anybody around him we could have just thought that oh this is mean old cuss that's under the stairs had we not you know kept pushed the going. investigation that's the whole point yeah. of investigating you're exactly. not investigating if you are labeling something right off the bat that you don't like is demonic that's not an investigation. Just because somebody else told you. Yeah, that's not an that's investigation. What, what is this thing we're actually dealing with? What are its capabilities? Why is it here? What is its motivation? This is investigation. Yeah. And why is it revealing itself to me? And what does that say? Right. If it wants to interact with my energy, and it's what does that it's say? It's an interplay. It's not just an investigation where you are a human who has every right to be here and they shouldn't be here. So I'm going to figure out why they're here. It is an, a handshake between investigating yourself through your investigation of this energy. And in that way, it has a purpose. It serves a purpose. And if you approach your investigations from that mentality, you will improve the space, not only for the people who are living that have to work there or spend time there, but you will improve the space for whatever energy is there lingering. And that's our goal. Every time we step into a space, we are there to improve the space, not to leave whoever has to deal with the space after we go with a mess that they have to clean up or with heightened activity or with angry spirits that is that lacks integrity and it's irresponsible and to that point you know i feel like if energy is interacting with us it's interacting with us for a reason either because we're we're asking it to flat out um or because we've made a, a handshake at some point point in time to interact with that energy for a specific reason and to that end i would say even with the issues that i had at linda vista and with henry or the queen mary i'm still grateful for those interactions i wouldn't trade them for anything because they eventually taught me a that i had to take care of myself first that i could not continue even though i love to investigate and i love to do the research I couldn't keep continuing to do that if 
my energy wasn't stable. I had to fix that first. And that wasn't a them problem. That was a me problem. Um, so that taught me something about myself, which, you know, again, I am very grateful for to this day. I wouldn't be in the position that I'm in now had I not been through those experiences and had the opportunity to learn from them and sort them out. I needed that. Um, but, you know, to that end, I feel like there are, I feel like there's room now for something different kind of start coming up. I would like to see, I would love to be involved in, um, you know, more investigations or shows or opportunities where people can explore all of the facets of that particular world and not just zero in and focus on one portion of it because it is so multi-layered and it's not always just about the entities inside sometimes it's just about the space sometimes it's about the items inside the space um you know you could be in a brand new house that you know is bright and shiny and freshly painted and freshly constructed but if you're hauling in a bunch of items from either you know have a lot of previous experience previous history if you have a lot of antiques things like that all of those things that just might appear to be things to you it's all energy and it all has the ability to hold energy and produce energy so i know a lot of people get confused when they're like but this house is brand new i don't understand well maybe it's the land well maybe it's the stuff you have inside <laughs> that you haven't cleared out that has stagnant energy attached to it or maybe it is the land that it's built on or maybe it's the stuff um, inside of you yeah if you have a lot of personal issues that you're not dealing with they're going to manifest in your physical environment yeah they'll manifest Absolutely. in your physical body first and then mm -hmm. that will leak out if you further ignore it it will leak out into your physical environment and it will start manifesting as what might feel like the experience of a paranormal experience, but it's you. Such as a poltergeist. Mm -hmm. A poltergeist is exactly it. Yeah. You know, so there are, there's so many different types of energies and different types of ways of interacting. And I feel like the thing that we really want the opportunity to do is to fully explore all of those things because I think there's there's so much that we can explain in a way that's different from what has been presented to hopefully shift people's um, mindset about what the paranormal and what the supernatural is like what what does that really mean what does that really entail or involve instead of going directly to well i watched this on on an episode of a, a ghost show and no that's what i think that you know all of those experiences are going to be like um and you can definitely tell i can tell when you know somebody who somebody who is holding a lot internally 
who has stuff that they haven't dealt with, who goes in to investigate a space, you can tell when the energy of the space is just matching that individual. It's like, look, if you're going to come off combative and angry or scared or afraid, most likely the energy is going to come at you in the exact same way because it's just meeting you where you're at. Mm -hmm. It's just giving you what it thinks it what it thinks you want. You're you're putting out a vibe. It's matching it Mm -hmm. on the simplest terms. But yeah, ghosts, man. (laughs) But yeah, ghosts. (laughs) Good finale, Jamie. Good finale. (laughs) Well, I mean, we've seen we've seen and we've experienced so much. Mm -hmm. And and really I think our niche has been historical places because historical places just hold a special place in our hearts. Um, we like doing that research. We like uncovering the story, not just of maybe an entity that's there, but of a town, of a place, of, you know, a property, of a house, of, you know, a building, period. We enjoy that kind of work and we enjoy the layered stories that come out of that and being able to piece together the lives of the entities that we are running into and that energy that's left over and what we're feeling in the space i enjoy interacting with history period that's what i like doing i like interacting with history i want to interview the people who were actually there when it happened i want to know what they're experiencing Mm -hmm. now what are they witness of us are we their ghosts Is this just, you know, are Mm -hmm. we intruding on their timeline? There's so many questions that are unanswered at this point. We know ghosts exist. We do. We've experienced enough. That's not even a question anymore. The question is, what is a ghost in this situation, in every situation? You know, there's so much to still search for and still answer. And I look forward to doing that in the future. Yeah. And this is definitely not going to be just a single conversation because it can't be just a single well, conversation. Never. We never have single conversations. <laughs> Very rarely. <laughs> All right. Good times. Good times. We have done the and, thing. Uh, We've done the thing. Happy Halloween, everyone. Happy because it'll be coming season. up. Woo! And watch out for that full moon, man. It's going to be a doozy Ooh, with the crunchy, eclipse. Crunchy, crunchy full it's moon. It's going to be crunchy. Mm, mm. And if you happen to be in the greater Los Angeles area and you'd like to come see me, you can come see me on the 28th of October, which will be a Saturday from, I believe, 3 p.m. to 11 p.m. at the Whittier Museum. Um, I'm going to be at the Haunted Rose Attraction Haunt doing the night market, and I'll be doing some oracle readings and ancestral readings, and I'll have some goodies for sale as well absolutely so that's going to be fun yes good times good times all right well you know check us out on social media blah 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 you know the drill and if you have questions you also know the drill dm us on social media or email us the, the freaking links are everywhere yeah if you want to know more ghost stories if you want to know about more of our personal experiences hit us up let us know we'll be happy to talk to you talk about it more and answer any questions absolutely and in the meantime don't forget this Saturday, we have a, a meetup. Well, not on this Saturday, though. No, why? Because I'll be preparing and setting up the booth. Oh. At the, uh, because that'll be the 28th. Well, I can still show up. Okay. Yeah. 
So Heather will be there to to field all your questions. Absolutely. Or you can field questions with me in person if you come to the uh, to the home. Absolutely, and buy stuff and get scared. That's true. That sounds much better. All true. Yeah, that's a draw. All right. <laughs> Bye for now, guys. All right, y'all. Bye.